0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon podcast. So Genesis chapter one, and starting with verse number one. If you've if you've gone to like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've, you've gone a little too far. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. It says that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. (laughs) And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. Notice how God measures a day. He doesn't measure how we would from sunrise to sunset. He measures it from darkness to daytime. Because the darkness will always come before the good times come. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Would you say this with me? God, the first story. That's the title I want to preach to you this morning. If you could put your Bibles down, if you could lift your hands, if you could just magnify your Jesus. (laughs) Lord, would you anoint our eyes to see your glory? Lord, would you anoint our ears to hear your voice, God? Would you anoint our mouths, God, that as it comes time to speak words of faith, words of blessing, words of promise, God, that we are anointed to do so and that we have the boldness to do so, God. Would you put a hedge of protection, God, over every heart under the sound of my voice, God, that no foreign thoughts take seed, God, that if there be any thoughts of discouragement, any thoughts of depression, any thoughts of sickness, God, that we rebuke them now. God, that the spirit of liberty and the spirit of joy and the spirit of freedom and the spirit of peace take perfect residence among us this morning. Or we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's you we give honor. And it's you we praise. It's you we glorify. For you are like any other, God. Oh, go on. Could you match your voice with a shout? Ah! You may be seated. Aren't you all thankful for such a great music team? Praise God. Before there was something, there was someone. You can go back as far as your mind will allow you to go, be it millions or even billions of years. Go back beyond the creation of the world before the existence of matter and energy, space and time. Drive a stake in the nothingness, and and, and it's there you'll imagine an odd thing would begin to happen. That far from beyond, behind the mysterious nothingness that there is out there, steps a benevolent creator to greet you, a benevolent creator to greet me. For this is the God that is revealed in the Bible. He's revealed in the Bible, but he's not contained to the Bible. For he has always existed and he will always exist. He exists as infinite, personal, transcendent, imminent, all at the same time. You see, Paul would begin to train a young preacher by the name of of Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he'd go on to tell him, now unto the king, Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Why, Timothy? Because he is the cornerstone, yet at the very same time he is the capstone. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, yet at the very same time he is the lamb which was slain from the foundation of the world. You see, I have a very specific goal this morning and that is to convince you that there is no one like your God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For he's a healer, yet he's a way maker. He's a provider, yet he's a defender. He's indescribable, yes, yet he's approachable. He's holy, yet he's relatable. You cannot contain him to one operating function. There's nobody like your God. And quite honestly, I don't want to serve a God like every other God out there. I don't want to serve a God that I can manipulate. I I don't want to serve a God that I can control. Because what if I stumble across a circumstance that I just can't see my way across? What if I just see cancer in the face and I don't know how to cancel cancer? You see, that's the good news of serving a God. That's indescribable, awesome, majestic, holy. That when you don't have an answer, all right. he's got every answer. <laughs> oh, could you magnify him? It is from this eternal oneness that all others derive life, meaning, and purpose. It is from this matchless nature of your God that everything that exists is spoken into existence. From out of the depths of his love, he spoke light into being, separating it from the darkness. He created spiral galaxies filled with innumerable stars uh, related to each other by distances, which can only be measured in light years. Just imagine how big your God is. And out of all the billions of places he could have chosen, he focused his attention. He focused his creativity on one tiny planet. Lavishing upon that blue marble his love and all of his creativity. For he gave this planet a sun, moon, stars, atmosphere, dry land, water, oxygen, cherry trees, grapevines. And even those things we often just count as insignificant like magnolia trees, Hammerhead sharks, and, and falcons, wild boars, hairy, hairy apes, and even llamas. That's this God we serve. Creative, majestic, holy, matchless. That's your God. (laughs) And it's an incredible amount of beauty that has been bestowed upon the earth. But all of this, everything you see, is but a speck on the grand platform of His creative potential. It's just a speck. And to that you ask the question, why? Why, God? Why would you bestow this kind of beauty? Why, why, why would you do this and, and why would you do that? Why would you give us this and why would you give us that? And, and the psalmist would, declare, would, would answer our question with, with a declaration. For what better way to answer a question than with an irrefutable statement? You see, the answer is found in Psalm 19 and, and verse 1. For the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. You wonder why? He did not do it to impress you. <laughs> he did it that he might showcase his authority. That he may demonstrate his majesty. That, that his name might be elevated on every platform of creation. That even if humanity was to ever stop praising his name, his glory would still be mentioned. For Jesus will tell it this way. I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones... Would immediately cry out that if you choose to hold in that praise saying, God, I thank you for the tree. I I thank you for the grass. God, God, I thank you for this. I thank you for that. Then, Then the stones will tell how great God is. So on this day, I join my voice with the sound of creation magnifying the greatness of your God. I echo Psalms in saying, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Let everything that hath breath. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, go on, could you magnify your Jesus? <laughs> and that last the pinnacle of God's creation. Humans. You see, perhaps he created us. Created us last to to be a testament to our inerrant nature or our inerrant dignity. You know how we often say saving the best for last. But one thing is very clear about as to why he saved us for last. It's clear that he did not need our help to create. It's clear that he did not need our help to put things into order, that he could do it all by himself. That he creates and he controls every molecule that is possibly in this planet. that, That he ordains and holds everything into the world as he orders and as he desires. For Hebrews tells us that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Not the word of our opinions. Not the word of how I think it ought to be. But by the word of his power. So. it may sound trite and even overused but it's true nonetheless that god is god and we are not that when everything falls off its wagon when everything goes crazy when nothing makes sense anymore he's still very much in control because you weren't there to mess it up and you're going you're not going to be here when it's all over i mean i mean god created everything by his word so god created absolutely everything. And into this perfect garden of delight Eden, he placed man and eventually the woman, giving them dominion over everything else. God was to rule over the man and they were to rule over everything else. For there is order in God's creation. There is structure in God's plan. You see Genesis twenty-one twenty-six puts it this way. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowl of the air. And over the cattle. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them. Catch this. Be fruitful. And multiply. And replenish the earth. But don't stop there. Subdue it and have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I came to serve notice to CTK this morning that oftentimes we live under things, bound by things, overcome by things and circumstances that we were meant to be dominioned over. That, that we were meant to serve dominion over. I came to serve notice to you that if cancer is haunting your life, you have dominion over it. If sickness haunting your life, you have dominion over it if discouragement is coming into your life you have dominion over it so I refuse to live under anything less than what God has designed for me I refuse to live bound by the sickness I refuse to live bound by the depression I refuse to live bound by the brokenness I refuse to live bound by the depression I refuse for God promised me dominion alcoholism I take dominion over you sickness I take dominion over you oh go on could you begin a Say that to your circumstance. Could you take dominion over everything that is possibly coming against you? (laughs) So it was there. It was in the garden. They lived in unbroken intimacy with God. With each other and with the whole world around them. It It was a blissful existence. There was nothing wrong. There was nothing out of order. There was no brokenness. There was no pain. There was no hurt. And one day we're going to get back to that. <laughs> one day sickness is going to pass away. One day the pain won't be here anymore. One day the discouragement. Won't... And I'm looking forward to that day called heaven. huh? I'm looking forward to that day of sunny shores of sweet deliverance. I'm looking forward to that day. Because it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a majestic day. It's, it's going to be a holy day. You know, but there was just one rule in that garden. Not Ten Commandments. Not 613 laws. Just one rule. They were free to do anything they wanted. Except this one thing. Obeying the rule would serve as a reminder to them. As to who was really in charge. (laughs) Obeying that one rule would serve as a reminder that God is God and that we are not. For their creator, the one who who ruled over them, told them to avoid just one thing. Don't eat of the fruit that comes of this tree. And as you could quickly draw the conclusion, what happens when you tell a kid not to do something? (laughs) He quickly does that thing you told him not to do. I can't tell you how many times I touched the stove as a kid. (laughs) I shouldn't have touched the stove. Actually, it was just once. Because you quickly learn your lesson. For in the commands of God, you encounter structure, boundaries, and borders. But here's what I want you to understand about the commands of God. They're not created that they might hurt you. (laughs) Catch that. They're not created that they might oppress your life or hurt your life or, or 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 limit your life from fullness of potential. As a matter of fact, the commands of God aren't created to be served. Rather, the commands of God are created to serve you. To serve you towards what? A life more abundantly. To serve you towards what? A life in fullness of joy. To serve you towards what? Complete freedom, liberty, joy, happiness, meaning. That's why we serve the commands of God and the structure of God and the order of God because it is pays off it pays off very well to do life god's way you see jesus kind of paints all of this into uh, into an image when when he's teaching peter how to fish (laughs) catch this jesus is a fisherman he's a carpenter don't know much about fishing i would think i mean if, if other than the whole god part you know but but you don't know much about fishing But he looks at Peter and he says, hey, man, you've been working all day. Why don't you try that other side of the water? Don't you hate that more than somebody that has no idea? (laughs) No no idea what you're going through gives you the advice on how to get out of what you're going through. Does that irritate anybody else but me? (laughs) You have no idea what I'm going through and you have the advice for me. but it became evident when Peter actually trusted Christ at his word. For even though it appeared like he had no idea what he was talking about, Peter, you know what, let's try it, boom, and and what happened? They catch fish. (laughs) It wasn't supposed to happen because following in the command of God will always bring about an abundance of success. It doesn't matter how unorthodox, it doesn't matter how hurtful, it doesn't matter how hard it might be to walk down that straight and narrow line. We walk down the straight and narrow line because Christ promised us life and life more abundantly. He's not a liar for if he lied, all of creation would fall off its access point. Oh, Christ doesn't tell half truth because if he was to tell half truth, the tides would come. Uh, consume us and and the weather would destroy us for in God is perfect truth. So when he says follow me and I will guide you into all truth. I will guide you into all peace. I I will guide you into Mm, sounds like quite the deal to me that if I choose to follow God then everything falls out into place. That's not how it played out in Genesis chapter 1. For it was at the consumption of that fruit tree that the law of entropy was introduced. You see, for the law of entropy suggests that when something leaves its originated state or its created state, it will continually decline from its established state. In other words, if you take a plant out of soil, it's not too long until that plant starts to die. Because you took it out of its creative environment, its creative state. And so the law of entropy says that when you remove something, that something will begin to decline. But the DNA of that something never changed. The nature of that something never changed. So however much man may want to separate himself from God and the command of God, It is unarguable that we are still created in the image of God. The way God's creation of humans is described is special. Because it is unique among all of other God's creations. For only humans bear the direct image of God. Or the pattern of God. Or the creative environment of God. And as such they are to be valued. Above all other elements of creation. They are to be valued above all other forms of creation. That is why you look at the book of Genesis as a window. You look at the book of Genesis as a lens through which we see our entire world. For our place is found in this world and it's rooted in the book of Genesis. For your divine right as a child of God is locked up within the prophetic promises of the book of Genesis. For if the book of Genesis goes on to tell you that you're an overcomer, you're going to overcome. If the book of Genesis goes on to tell you that God's going to make a way where there seemed to be no way, you're going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. Because you find your rooting, you find your pattern in the book of Genesis. So Genesis, we look through it we don't look at it genesis sets the parameters of our faith it establishes the environment by which we learn to believe god for in genesis we contrast where we came from and we contrast it with with where we're going for in Genesis, you're found in one place, but you don't stay at that one place. You head towards a better future, a better tomorrow. For in Genesis, you you find yourself in brokenness, you find yourself in pain. But 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 God promises that you're not gonna be there forever. For there is coming a seed of the woman, and the seed is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Ha! Oh, for for it might be a temporary wound, but what you're getting ready to give the devil is a fatal wound, meaning that you find your root including in the book of genesis i don't care what's coming against you i don't care the sickness that is fighting you i don't care the depression that's attacking i came to tell you that god promised you life and life more abundantly ah could you magnify him (laughs) some patterns patterns are established in genesis but by the time Genesis was written, lots of history had already taken place. You see Adam and Eve, that happened. Creation, the fall, murder, exile, construction, destruction, famines. It's all happened. Flood, dysfunctional families, oppressive circumstances. It, it, it all happened by the time Genesis was ever written. Genesis was not written as it happened. It was written at least two millennia after the first domino was already knocked over. Before Genesis was ever written down, Father Abraham and his frustrating walk of faith had already come and gone. By the time Genesis was ever written, Isaac had already been rescued, and Jacob had already been lamed, and and Joseph had already been sold. Genesis is the place where patterns are established. The family had become a nation within a nation. And for 400 years, the Israelites languished under slavery of those Egyptians, which ultimately would get their thing. Then suddenly, into the deadening silence, God spoke to a man. And he spoke through that man first. Then he would speak to the nation. And then he would speak ultimately to the world. And still, Genesis still had not been written. A lot has happened by the time Genesis was written. As far as we know, the plagues were visited upon the Egyptians. The Red Sea was already parted. The law was given. The golden calf was already crafted and destroyed. And and the spies were already convinced that invading the land of their destiny would be a mistake. All this happened before Genesis was written. For Genesis was written to remind us of what has happened. Genesis was written to show us what God has done and how he has interacted with his people through the first eras of humanity. Genesis is our pattern. This is a reminder demonstrated to to give you three very vitally important principles. First thing about the book of Genesis you must pull out of is that scripture is always a means to a greater end. And that where God finds you, God's not going to leave you. And that the inception point of your faith is not the finality point of your faith. And that you might come to God broke, busted, and disgusted. But God's not going to leave you broke, busted, and disgusted. You might come to God with sickness, with depression, with discouragement, with everything that's coming against you. But, but it's not God's will that you live in that. For you just walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't live in the valley of the shadow of death. And secondly, Scripture corrects it. It reveals, it instructs you. You look at Genesis, Genesis will show you how you're doing it wrong and show you how to do it right Right. by following the commands of God. But thirdly, thirdly is what inspires me. For Scripture establishes the pattern which we carry through the finality. Genesis establishes the pattern which would ultimately speak into Exodus, which would ultimately speak into the prophets. Which would ultimately speak into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which would ultimately speak into the book of Revelation. Genesis establishes that pattern. And here's what I want you to understand that no man can alter the pattern of God. For if God says it, that settles it. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes. Thank <laughs> Genesis is intended to make us more like the God who authors it. That God does not merely desire transfer of information. He he desires complete transformation. That comes out of Genesis. It's for these reasons that Moses would finally put down in writing the stories that had been handed from generation to generation because Moses was less concerned at telling us how God brought us out, more so concerned at telling us who is the God that brought us out. Because it is in Genesis, it is in the beginning that you quickly figure out the, the great nature of your God. For it is the pattern of your God that you must know who your God is that you may fully realize that your God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can hope for or imagine. For you cannot believe Him for a way maker if you have not realized Him to be a way maker. You cannot believe Him for being a Savior if you have not first felt that salvific touch. So you can your faith on what you do not see, believing that He could make a way where there seemed to be no way. So there is a pattern in the Bible, and you cannot escape the pattern. But there are some assuring factors of following the patterns of God. First, the assuring factor I'd like to think is that that God does not create things willy-nilly. <laughs> is that a good word in the Midwest? Willy-nilly. Yeah. God does not create things willy-nilly. He did not create things by happenstance or or by accident. In other words, your very existence this day is a testament of the fingerprint that God placed over your life. Your very existence on these pews is a testament to how great your God is. For your life is not by accident and your life is not by mistake. Yes, it might be stressful sometimes. Yes, it might be messed up sometimes. Yes, there might be sickness. Yes, there might be discouragement, but there won't come a day when the cares of this world shall pass away but what will remain is my devotion to that God you see for it said in John chapter 6 like this for no man cometh to me except the father which hath sent me draw him let me draw it a little further for you are if, if you are in this body if you are in this church if you are sitting on these pews you must realize it was not by your own volition It was not by your own will, rather. It was the Spirit of God that drew you. It was the Spirit of God that said, I ought to go to church this morning. It was the Spirit of God that kind of tugged at you saying, there is something waiting for you at church this morning. In other words, if you're sitting on these pews, you are called. Doesn't that feel good? Does't that feel good to be called by God? Doesn't that feel good to be drawn out by God? For if the Spirit of God drew you, the promise doesn't stop. For Paul would tell us in the book of Romans chapter chapter eight that we know all these things work together for the good to them that love God, who are called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to, to be conformed to the image of his son the pattern of his son. The pattern which comes from the book of Genesis. That that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. Moreover, moreover whom he did predestinate them he also called. And whom he called them he also justified them. He also glorified. I want you to understand that your very existence this day is a testament that God is not through with you yet. Your very existence this day is a testament that God is not finished that there might be strain there might be trouble there might be sickness but you are called of God and if you are called of God you're going to make it out if you are called of God it's all going to make sense once again if you are called of God it's not going to destroy you it's not going to rip you apart it's not going to break you it's all going to work together could you magnify your God I wonder if you could stand. If the music could come. There's a pattern of the Bible. There's a pattern within the Bible. And we cannot escape the pattern. You cannot try to do this your way. You cannot try to do this with your ideas. You cannot try to do this on your own volition. You must submit under his governing hand. And you must say, God, whatever your will is, God, that is what I'm going to do. For in Genesis, you discover the key to overcoming chaos. Genesis chapter 1. For in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God it moved upon the face of the waters I want you to understand that all great things come out of dark places and dark times Your victory is only going to come if there is a test. Because you've heard it said you can't have a testimony without a test. It's always been like this. And it's always going to be like this. For it's a pattern of the Bible. It is a pattern within Genesis. That God incepts life out of dark places. There's great news with this. The great news is that your God, the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, that God, He thrives in dealing with dark places. So instead of cursing the dark, instead of yelling at the dark, instead of not understanding the dark, fearing it, embrace it. For Psalm 27 tells us that I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. (laughs) In other words, David's saying, "I, I would have died. I would have fainted unless I looked at everything and I looked at everything and I said, I still choose to believe. I still choose to believe that there's going to be a better tomorrow. I I still choose to believe that it's not going to destroy me. It's not going to consume me. It's not going to eat me up. I, I choose to believe that my faith is going to overcome. I choose to believe that God is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly. I, I choose to believe that the cancer won't destroy. I choose to believe that the, the lack of provision isn't going to destroy me. I choose to believe that the depression isn't going to hurt me. I choose to believe that the discouragement isn't going to hurt me. I choose to believe that my family is going to come back. I, I choose to believe that the brokenness is going to fix itself I choose to believe that everything is going to work itself towards the good. So when you choose to believe, here's what you do. You plug into the pattern of Genesis. For God looked at the chaos and he spoke to the chaos. For God looked at the darkness and he spoke life into the darkness. God looked at the nothingness and he created something. So why don't you look over every broken area of your life? Why don't you look over every discouraged moment of your life and say, I'm going to speak faith. If it's sickness, you speak directly to the sickness and say, I have dominion over you. If it's brokenness, you look at the broken. You say, I, I have dominion over you. If it's, if it's a low bank account, you look at that low bank account and just begin to say, I have dominion over you that God is going to provide. So would you do that? Would you close your eyes and lift your hands? And would you just begin to speak faith over your life? Oh, Oh, go on. Go on. Speak faith over the brokenness. Speak faith over every discouraging thing that's coming against you. Speak faith over everything that the enemy's trying to send your way. Speak faith over everything that's trying to come against you. Speak faith over every discouraging thought, every broken moment. Speak faith over your family. Speak faith over your job. Speak faith over your emotions. Speak faith over your health. Speak faith over everything that you need an answer from God about. For God, you're going to make a way. You're going to make a way. Irobo so Shatahayamaha, Irobo Shandakayamaha, Iroboho Satakayamahayetotokoye Bahayasha, Itukurubo Shatakae do Toko Boho Shaha, Itukohenema Eboho Shahayamaha. Oh, oh, see, here's what I'd like us to do. Here's what I'd like us to do. It's been said that faith without works is dead. Do you believe that? So, the way you testify that you believe, you draw near towards God. And God draws near towards you. In other words, when you take that step forward in faith, you're saying, God, I submit myself to the pattern of this Bible. I submit myself to the pattern which is found within the book of Genesis. God, I I submit myself under your authority knowing that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can hope for or imagine. Knowing, God, that you are in charge of it all. Knowing, God, that you are Alpha and Omega, first and the last, creator of all. That's what happens when you take a step forward. So let's take a stand of faith. If you're in this house, And you come in here with discouragement, depression, sickness, a family issue, a job issue, an attack from the enemy, going through the valley of the shadow of death. But you know God can. And you want to believe that God will. Would you please just lift up your hand and say, I know it. I know it. Now keep that hand up and would you look around at your brothers and sisters (laughs) and would you realize that you're not alone? That you're not in this fight alone? That this fight is, it's a fight we fight on the every day but God is more than able. Now if you lifted your hand and you want to take that step forward, why don't you fill up this altar? And I'm going to give us some instructions in just a second. But I'm going to give a minute for us to come on forward. Oh, yeah, no. oh, come on, let's fill up these altars. You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. Nobody's gonna embarrass you. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna make a show. This is between you and Jesus. This is between you and your God. Now, before we get to praying, I want to talk about some patterns again. For Peter gives us a pattern in Acts chapter 2. It's found in verse number 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And he said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is significant. For more than just fulfilling one pattern of the Bible, the most important pattern of the Bible, this, is, this one's important. Because you submitting to the death and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, says, God, you're the king of my life. (laughs) You submitting to that pattern is literally telling cancer right in the face that, hey, I don't even have to pray about you anymore because God's got it covered. (laughs) That's what you submitting to that pattern is. So I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out because you know if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if you have not repented of your sins, if you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, when we get to praying in just a second, feel free to grab hold of me. Feel free to grab hold of Pastor, and, and we'll walk you through it. It's no confusion. It's no hoopla. It's no fun, funny stuff. It's, it's 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 the pattern of the Bible. It's the pattern of the bible, it's the pattern established that if you want to walk in newness of life we walk into the patterns of God. If you want to walk into that freedom, if you want to walk into that joy, if you want to walk into that peace, you follow the patterns of God. If you want to walk into that that, that Holy Ghost experience, if you want to walk into that that supernatural joy, you follow the patterns of the bible. Now the Holy Ghost ought not scare you. The Holy Ghost ought not scare you. Because here's the the great thing about the Holy Ghost. When you don't know what to pray, it prays for you. (laughs) When you don't know how to frame those words of trouble, those words of discouragement, when, when you don't know how to frame it, it prays for you. Now, how does it pray for you? Is this okay? How does it pray for you? Well, here's how it prays, because the Bible goes on to tell you that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body, meaning no matter how hard you try to control it, you can't control it. (laughs) So what better way for God to show that he is king over your life than for him to take control of the one thing you cannot control? You can control your job. You can control your finances. You can control your decisions to go to the doctor. You can control your decisions to love your wife or your husband. You can control all of these decisions. But you can't control this. God says, I reserve that for me. (laughs) He's saying, if you want me to be king over your life, I'm going to control that. So don't let it scare you. But if you have not spoken in tongues, that's one of the patterns God has promised you. So now... If you stepped into this altar with sickness, with brokenness, with pain, with confusion, with problems, with with things that you just can't figure it out. We're going to speak faith over all of it. We're going to speak faith over all of it. We're going to speak faith over the pain. We're going to speak faith over the over the trouble. We're going to speak faith over your family. We're going to speak faith over the sickness. Is that okay? So would you lift your hands? Would you close your eyes? And would you begin to open your hearts? Father in the name of Jesus Christ we bind every sickness we bind every